professional or amateur athlete is injured, time to treatment is critical. That's why more tri-state schools and coaches trust the trainers and doctors of Beacon Orthopedics. In fact, more than 30 high schools, club, college, and pro teams choose Beacon Orthopedics as their official medical providers. On the sidelines and in the operating room, we get athletes back in the game safely and quickly with comprehensive sports medicine care. At Beacon Orthopedics, we care for the pros, student-athletes, and weekend warriors every day. Welcome to the penultimate episode of the most ultimate W the ultimate high school podcast in the tri-state area. I don't know. My, my mouth don't is getting ahead of me. Don't use sophisticated words. Yeah, that, that's what got me in trouble right off the bat. Right off the bat, man. That's not a great start. Welcome to your WCPO High School Insider Podcast. I'm Keenan Singleton. Mike Dyer, of course, here with us, as he is every week. As I kind of tried to get into, it's the penultimate episode. We got two episodes left in our season, so to speak, for our high school podcast. Mike, it's been a great run with you this year, man. I appreciate that, Keenan. I've, I've enjoyed every episode, and uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a long school year. A lot of, a lot of news, we'll say, in this school year. So, and still not over yet. We still have the whole month of May and yeah. a couple weekends in June, too. Absolutely. We sure do. Of course, you can always check out this podcast on Google Play, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for uh, subscribing and, and listening to us throughout the year. Um, we're on Facebook Live this week. Again, of course, hello to everyone out there on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Got a great episode for you guys this week. We have another special guest. We, we have great guests every week. Mike always lines them up like no one else. This week, we have the OHS AA Executive Director, Jerry Snodgrass, on the line. Jerry, how are things? Congratulations on the birth of your uh, new granddaughter. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's uh, a, truly a blessing. And, and uh, anybody who has grandchildren knows how good that is, and especially you get to see them and give them back when you're done. So. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't have the sleepless <laughs> nights like the parents do. Correct. Yeah, I forgot all about those. <laughs> of course, Jerry took over the position at the start of the school year after the doctor Dr. Dan Ross stepped down after being the commissioner slash executive director since 2004. So I, I guess before we get into this, you, you've got some connections with the NFL, uh, Jerry. Yeah, you, I, yeah, Ben. I do. Tell us a little bit I about do. coaching Ben Roethlisberger in basketball in your days at Upper Sandusky. Well, right before we got on here, I also uh, noticed that uh, he's in the process of signing his contract. So I was at a function. He came to a function of mine two weeks ago surprised the daylights out of me. I was inducted into a, a Hall of Fame, and uh, they kind of used a fake name and so he could show up and surprise me. But now after I see him negotiating his contract, I'm also sending him the bill for the reception <laughs> afterwards. So, but no, you know what? He was he was my point guard while I was the basketball coach. Point at guard? High school. Yeah, can you believe that? Um, that's hard for people to believe. People also wonder why I'm not still coaching and why I wasn't the state tournament. He was the point guard. Uh, I had a run of great point guards, and uh, yeah, in, in the sport of basketball, you can really win with point guards. You can really win with them when they're six, about six five, and you know two twenty or whatever it might be. I will say that he was not nearly that big in high school, okay. but uh, like so many basketball coaches and coaches in general know. I've had such a great relationship. And boy, I hate to say that down in the Bengal country, but um, public enemy number one, I think. <laughs> He'd be but, up there. Uh, he would be up there, most certainly. But uh, I will tell you this for anybody, especially point guards, you have that special relationship with him forever. The fact that he showed up, you know, uh, 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 totally a surprise. 
surprise to a you know, relatively small Hall of Fame function for me. You know, it just speaks volumes of the relationships that coaches in general have with their kids. Well, Jerry, we got a lot on our uh, bucket list here of questions to ask you, but I'm going to start off Certainly. with asking the the wide open, um, open ended question that I am sure you will enjoy. What have you learned the most as uh, your first year of being executive director winds down? What uh, has been the one thing that Jerry Snodgrass has said? Wow, I did not Thank realize I, I would learn this in my first year. Well, you know, and it's funny you say that, you know, that uh, I'll preface it with, you know, that I felt, I'm not going to say I felt like I knew everything. I would never say that. I did not. I was very well versed for having been here for 10 years. And there's also good and bad uh, when you're internal. Uh, you know, you don't have a honeymoon. Uh, people in jobs have honeymoons. Uh, my honeymoon, I think it was hired on a Friday, ended on Monday. Um, and I knew that. The biggest, not shock to me, but is, is how slow and how, how long it takes to institute change. I have followed great people in my career, from my coaching career to my athletic director career. I followed great individuals. And I had to establish myself, um, and I know that. I, knew, I know how that goes. But with it comes change, change internally in your own organizational structure, change in your vision. I've often said this. Um, it's like you replace a coach, and he's a man-to-man coach, and I was a zone coach. Actually, it was just the opposite. But it doesn't make either one of us right or wrong. It's just we have a different way of doing things. Dr. Ross, one of the best bosses I ever had in my life, because he didn't care what I did, as long as I did it in the perspective of, it's good for kids. It's good for schools, and it didn't cost us a ton of money. But <laughs> that's always the bottom I, I line, right? Them. Yeah, it is, and it is in our business, but um, a large of it, part of it in our business. But the point is that you know, changing from being a man to man to a zone, changing from one person to the other, there are changes that take place. You know, to to utilize my vision, and it, it, I'm just shocked at how long it takes and how many wheels have to turn to make a simple change. Now, that seems like a broad-based answer, but uh, that was my number one shock. Did you set out a certain goal or expectation or maybe a list of goals and a list of expectations uh, when you assumed this position in August, um, and have you fulfilled much of that or the majority of those? Great question. Um, you know, part of the interview process, which I really respected, you know, and this is common in executive director interviews today, is that you, you present your first hundred days. Now, I didn't list on, you know, September 14th that this was not what I was going to do, but I did have weekly goals. I'm a big goal setter. I've required each one of our staff members to uh, submit annual professional goals. That in itself was a shock. Um, getting people to do that and understand how to write goals that, they have to be attainable. They have to have a rationale behind them. Uh, but I did set about with goals. And I looked at my 100 days after 100 days. And I was very comfortable where I was at. I, I wanted to slow this organization. That sounds odd. I really wanted to slow things down a little bit so we got things right. I don't want to try to land somebody on the backside of the moon until we get a rocket perfectly developed. And I think sometimes we've done that. You know, we've reacted to people and we're going to do this with no plan in place. So I do feel good about that. One major thing that I did not accomplish this year. Um, one, I wanted to tell our story better. That's one of the things I wanted to do. I wanted to have town hall meetings geared toward the public, not to the schools. We 
we do a lot for our schools to meet with them, but the public at, at about 10 locations around the state, I, I just couldn't get to it. But I will incorporate those next year. I think that will do a lot to dispel a lot of misunderstanding in our organization. One of the uh, most newsworthy events that happened within your first 100 days, Jerry, is, as you might imagine, which has a lot of interest down here, was simply Roger Bacon and the Greater Catholic League co-ed division uh, filing a lawsuit uh, against the OHSA uh, regarding competitive balance. And a lot of the details people can read up on, and, and we've written about it, and, and, you know, things have kind of gone through the channels, as it were. Um, that case has been, from my understanding, has been um, placed in, in the Ohio Supreme Court's um, court, as it were, um, and but nothing has been uh, we haven't heard anything about it, um, and, and you know, I don't know if you have an update that you could kind of share with our audience uh, where that stands and maybe what you expect as uh, you know, the school year winds, winds down. Yeah, and, and that's also a great, great thing. You know, I wouldn't say that that either, you know, when we talked about like the things that kind of caught me off guard or the things I learned the most in my first year, that wasn't one of them. I mean, I think that's part of the process, uh, the fact that we've been in court. Now, the only thing I can say is I think we were in court in my first six months more than we've been in the last five or six years combined. Now, that was troublesome in terms of, you know, trying to keep me back from my goals. But there has been no update that. That, that court, that case still sits in the Supreme Court. Uh, we have a lot of feelings about it, you know, uh, one, you know, why it's there taking so long. But, you know, I, that would just be conjecture on my part. The one thing I will say, though, that, that brought that brought out was brought out from this. Um, all of our committees that have previously been established, some standing committees, some ad hoc committees. Um, and, and this played into my hand because it's one of the things I wanted to do is make certain that our committees that exist are well represented, that minutes are taken in all of those meetings, and those people that are on those committees are held accountable by taking votes. That has not always been done. And I feel very good that that's something that's come out of that. The second part is probably the most important because we're right now in the midst of our meetings around the state. We have one tomorrow in Cambridge is that it's really not, not forced me because I wanted to do this is to make certain that I convey to our membership. If there are rules that they don't like, because they are the ones that create them and approve them. If they don't like it, there's a process implemented that they can propose changes to those rules. And I'm being very, very clear and transparent. Now, I would say this. I planned on doing that anyhow, but probably not to the extent that this brought that uh, uh, concept out. So, uh, you know, either way, either way, there will be good come out of this. And I think that's where your public town hall meetings would certainly benefit from having <laughs> those discussions and have, exactly. I mean, I, I think a, there's I a lot of misnomers out there. And I am never afraid, you know, as you probably know, even on social media, I am not, I know when you put yourself out there, but I'm not afraid to answer the questions. People, I know people don't always like our answers in, in this business, but uh, at least I'll say the truth of what they are and how to change them. That is true. Let's be honest for a second, Jerry. How do you keep up with all that and how much time, I don't <laughs> want to know how much screen time you have. <laughs> I, I don't, don't like to look at those? it either, nor does my family. Uh, but, you know, I, one, hey, there's an awesome app that you can use <laughs> that uh, you can schedule tweets to go out at different times. That's been <laughs> beneficial to me. But uh, people also wonder, you know, do you have somebody that does that for you? No, I don't. I, I, I sometimes think I should, but uh, it's, it's just the, it's the chosen method I use or have used 
to communicate our story better. Fair enough. Um, let's start with um, the most recent. We mentioned the the upcoming six or seven weeks here. We're going to have our final high school um, season, uh, month of the season, as it were, and, and multiple state championships involved with that. But the most recent state uh, tournament, uh, obviously in basketball, boys and girls basketball in late March, a uh, variety of topics kind of revolving around that. Let's start with the state girls basketball tournament recently announced by the OHSA that it will not be played at the Shot and Scene Center in 2020. Um, obviously, the uh, individual wrestling tournament and the state girls basketball tournament reside on the same weekend um, in March of 2020. But when do you expect a decision will be made or um, when when will it be determined uh, where the girls basketball tournament will be played in 2020? I believe in the first or second week of May. Um, there are so many moving parts anymore. And I say this because even when we use um, Cintas or we use, uh, we, I think uh, we used to use the Shoemaker Center, um, Dayton, all the different facilities we use even at regional levels, there are so many moving parts. I mean, if the NCAA is going to be held somewhere, well, that obviously is going to force us out of using a facility. In the case of here at the Shot and Scene Center, an added dilemma is the Arnold Classic, the bodybuilding, whatever, weightlifting, that literally takes up every hotel room in the city of Columbus. So we now have been almost forced to not have a state tournament in Columbus during the Arnold Classic. So that takes a weekend out, and it just so happens that it's in March. Keeps there every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. And then you know the Shot Scene Center, at least in the Columbus, in the in the in this area proper, is the only facility that can hold enough mats for us to hold wrestling. So that almost forces wrestling to be in the Shot Scene Center. Now the Big Ten tournament in ice hockey, um, the Big Ten now requires it to be on their home ice if they're a home team. And Ohio State's ice hockey team is very good. So now. The, the hockey tournament um, most likely now is going to take up another weekend. So we have really been limited. And that's what forced our hand into holding basketball and wrestling on the same weekend. We really had no choice. Also, by the way, to stay away from Easter. So, you know, now the decision will be made because of the Cavelli Center that's being opened. It is not open yet. Or St. John Arena. It will be at one of those two locations. I'm 99% certain. Where will the Covelli Center be exactly? It's actually, uh, again, it's almost done. Um, it's under roof. It's, it's everything. I mean, in fact, if you were to look at it, you would say it is finished. But it's just north of the uh, 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 um, Jesse Owens track. Okay. Uh, beautiful facility. The seating, though, and that's the one thing. It's not built for basketball. It's built for volleyball. It's built for um, Ohio State wrestling. Um Seats about, I, I've got mixed numbers, somewhere about 3,800, I believe. So it may be impractical to use it for girls' basketball for us. I mean, it will accommodate, even though it's not built for that. Um, it will easily accommodate. They have a floor, everything. Um, however, um, 3,800 might force us to go back to individual sessions in girls' basketball. Plus, there would probably be a parking issue. So St. John may be a better option. But I'll know as soon as I walk through the uh, – Cavelli. Let's move on to one of your other favorite topics, the state boys basketball tournament. Uh, as the former administrator for basketball, I, I know you're very well versed in this next <laughs> subject when it comes to the boys basketball attendance there at the state tournament. I go, I went back and did a little bit of 
searching online um, today. In 2014, you actually gave an interview to cleveland.com. And lo and behold, you spoke about the same topic about uh, the attendance figures. (laughs) Uh, Breaking news. LeBron is not coming back and not playing high school basketball anymore. So um, for anybody thinking we're going to get attendance numbers in the range of the 2001 to 2003 uh, years, um, you had another thing coming. But anyways, what were the are, are you at liberty to say what were the final attendance figures for the boys basketball tournament this year because we heard a lot of talk after the tournament about how um how low the numbers were how many empty seats that we saw yep actually i I will honestly tell you i do not know yet it takes a while for them to get those numbers to us uh and here's the other normally i could tell you exactly the issue though this year where ticket uh excuse me uh, uh attendance numbers are a little harder to understand because in session one that had two games, I'll just make up a number, but 7,240 was reflected for game one and game two uh, in that session. So it's hard. There really there were not 14,000 people there, though. So it, I have to go more by the, the dollar numbers because we did raise ticket prices a little bit in certain areas. So I, it's, I can tell you this, though, just, just by being there for so long, the attendance numbers were down. And when you said that LeBron's not coming back, we were hopeful that Luke Kennard would make it a couple of years ago. But, sure. you know, as you said, the bottom line is they're not. We have got to let go of, you know, the, the old adage of hope. Hope the right team wins that brings fans. I mean, and in some sports, web, we have to let go of that. So. You know, we're challenged today to, and I'm a big believer in this, having been not just a basketball administrator, but many other sports, providing the absolute best opportunity that we can provide for our kids, a memory of a lifetime, and and it truly is, but also to understand the cost and the expense limitations and and that we have with all of this. So that's a huge challenge right now, but I can assure uh, listeners that um, attendance is down. You told WAKR in Akron, um, I think it was the weekend after, maybe the week after the, the state tournament, that uh, you were considering, or at least there's been a thought of, you know, do we consider moving the state semifinal games a la what happens in football um, in terms of geography? And, and, you know, maybe, you know, as you mentioned, not everybody, not every coach, not not every teacher can get off of school when you talk about Thursday afternoon games. We had Purcell Marion play in the first right state semifinal game at noon on that Thursday uh, this year. Um, what are the chances? Or are you prepared to present something to the board in terms of a possibility of moving those state semifinals games and just having the state finals at the Schottenstein Center? Well, before I do that, I'm going to call our board president to double check how long my contract is. <laughs> um, okay. And I mentioned that because, you know what? I am a firm believer that if we move them out and about, I, I do believe attendance would increase. Now, mind you, we, have, we would have expenses of several different facilities, but I do believe that we would see a bump in revenue. Now, here's the other part of that. How hard is it to fight tradition? And, but here's one more thing that enters into that. You probably know this, and I use St. X as a good example of this, but, you know, a a long-burning issue 
has been the size differential between the smallest Division I school and the largest Division I school, St. X, I think, still being the largest. Again, I don't mean to digress into this, but, you know, there's always been a concern. Why can't you do like football did and add a division? Well, the biggest challenge is that for the last 15 years, any sport that added a division lost money, including football. People find that hard to believe. But football, every single income has gone down since revenue has gone down since they've, and any sport that's added a division. So on the surface, I would say that is not an option. Adding a division is not an option. But then I backed up and said, wait a minute. Yes, it is. If we change the format of the tournament. So there are a lot of different factors in here. It has been openly discussed with our board. Um, I think there's a lot of hesitancy, and I think there's a lot of very baby steps. But I'll finish this part of it with, I think it's incumbent upon this organization to repeatedly do studies to be prepared for every case scenario and option. And that's something I'm big on, is I had one of our accounting people, one of our financial people doing something here last summer, and they said, hey, you know, you got to tell us if we're going to do this or not, because we're not going to go through all this planning uh, if you're not going to do it. And I looked at him and I said, it's just the opposite. You're going to do all the planning and all the uh, footwork to see if we can do it. And that's part of the the cultural change here. What about uh, Keenan and I hear this all the time when we go out to football games, basketball games. It's a big one. How much has there been a study of just the link between televised state finals and attendance? Yep. There's been a lot of studies. Um, and I'll tell you what, what's very interesting is one of, the, one of the, I think one of the better studies is actually done through the National Federation because it's related to high schools. And it's actually related, it includes, um, you know, digital uh, streaming um, broadcast because I think that's a big thing today too. I mean, anybody for the younger generation, especially. But in their studies, it shows, I forget what the percentage is, but it's somewhat insignificant in a radius of, you know, like 30 miles. It, it has an effect, 30 miles of the site and the team's playing. Um, it, it, their studies kind of show that most viewers uh, are from outside areas that probably would come. Now, you look at other studies, you know, how valid are they for the NFL and college? I mean, I've looked at them. Um, say it has very little fat, uh, significance on it. So I, I really don't know. I don't have a good good answer on that. Well, I, it's more opinion than it is anything else. Uh, five years ago, ten years ago, I would have said it has a big factor. I, I, it is a big factor. I'm not sure it is today, but that's, again, just an opinion. Are we going to see instant replay in the state football finals this December? Most likely, yes. Um, most likely in the finals only. People, you know, you probably know this. You've seen some of my previous documents on this, and you know, sorry about that, uh, the Los Angeles Rams and the uh, uh, Saints it, debacle that occurred in the past interference because everybody wants every call right. But what people don't always realize is, you know, in game one, game two, game three, you know, may, maybe if you're playing, um, you know, at Nippert or someplace like that, you have the right number of cameras, you know, that you can use for that replay. Well, if you're playing up in Van Lu High School that has, it graduates 12 kids a year. Um, they don't have those cameras. Right. And the game has to be consistent. That's the one thing about the rules. 
Oh, you can't just do it over here and not do it over here to be consistent with sports. So that's why we don't have it at all levels. And I don't think we will in our, in our immediate future. You mentioned Nippert, and I would be grilled by our Cincinnati yeah. audience if I did not mention a Cincinnati-centric question about state finals. Obviously, coming sure. up here in, in the spring, we're going to have uh, you know state baseball and state softball uh, up in Akron. Uh, obviously, a change from state ba- baseball being at Huntington Park, as you very well know. But um, you know we'll have the tennis, obviously, here in Mason. Um, but still, that lingering question that I get every where I look and every every school it seems like I go to when it comes to uh, covering football and or basketball, but mostly for football. When will we ever get the state football finals back here in Cincinnati? And I know that's, that's not for question. you to decide, but I'm just curious what you, no, what you thought about. No, but but I also wouldn't hide behind the fact that I'm part of that process. You know, I, I you're right. I am not the one that totally decides that. But you know, one of the things I I openly when I start are uh, and I've done this at other meetings, but town hall meetings is be extremely transparent. We are a business. And we have many times in many of our different, we have some of our regional sites that are very, very cost prohibitive to us. And we've had to pull out of some of them. Uh, Other things, you know, we have some facilities at our state tournament levels. We have had, I should say, past tense, that you can use the place. You can rent it, of course. You can use it, but you can't go here. We don't want you to use this. Be careful over here. Oh, we won't do this for you. We're a business. And, you know, we have to look at those costs as well. So, you know, I'm not saying this is a blanket answer, but a lot of it is how sharp the pencil is on it. Um, You know, obviously Columbus in its unique shape, or excuse me, Ohio in its unique shape with Columbus in the center makes it geographically the, the best location anyhow. But when it won't work, baseball it won't work at least for two years obviously we have to look at other things and you know again availability we looked at a lot of facilities for baseball and availability was just not there for many of them um dayton, and dayton was is, considered is too number. jerry right dayton Pardon? for baseball dayton was considered as well sure sure yeah, it was yeah. and we did not do any formal process of of bidding on it or anything of the sort we we were kind of put into this we had no intention of leaving columbus uh, except for because of the weak extension of the baseball season, now put, you know, uh, uh, the, the stadium is not available to us. The other part of that is in the International League with Columbus, uh, Toledo, they can no longer, the International League, they can no longer hold dates to say that they're, they would like to be away or they'd like to be off that weekend. So that, that's in the future going to put a real damper on whether we can even make a commitment. They have their schedule two years out. Um, but you know, that makes it tough to, you don't know. So it makes it very tough to commit to a place. Before we let you go, I know there was some, um, speculation or I don't, I don't know if you want to consider it news or speculation, but, uh, about boys volleyball and the emerging sports committee. Um, can you kind of set the record clear with that? Cause I think there was some confusion there on, on in terms of on social media, people saying that boys volleyball was very close to becoming a sanctioned sport and, Obviously, there is a process behind that. Can you kind of set the record straight on that? Yes, and, and I, I'm glad you asked that question. First of all, one of the early things I did when I came into this job is, again, I, I, am, I like to think of myself as a creative thinker. I will back up. I hope I have just, just a minute to be able to tell you this, but we've had some very, very antiquated, longstanding rules. One of those being that we have to have, schools have to have 250, we have to have 250 schools 
sponsor a sport before we will adopt it and recognize it. Well, you know, that rule was made when there was football, basketball, baseball. And maybe that was true then. But amazingly, we have gymnastics that has 30-some teams. We have hockey that has 71. Uh, Let's think out of the box a little bit. So we're going now three years ago in that I proposed as a sport administrator that we adjust that rule a little bit and say, why don't we create a category called emerging sport or emerging sport? And I was lucky at the time I got a board to accept that the general rule about emerging sports was or is that we will follow all bylaw and constitutional items except where noted. <laughs> I kind of laugh about that, but, but they trusted me in that. That's how I was able to bring lacrosse on because one of those except where noted, there were 130 boys teams. Well, you know, we couldn't do it. But under an emerging sport category, we could. Same with girls. It also allowed us to create two divisions when our rules didn't allow that. We would have killed lacrosse if we hadn't done that. So given that, that's the exact same. I'm a big boys volleyball advocate. The organization that's done a great job of overseeing it uh, is wanting out of it. They've talked to us. They would like to hold our hand, uh, be part of it until we take it over. They're tired. And I do know that in the absence of any organization, the schools would ask us to take it. So I want it. We have an emerging sport committee. They recommended just last week uh, that we do adopt it. Now, they recommended that to me. Now, it's my choice whether I go forward to the board. First of all, I will go forward to the board and say what that committee recommended. But then what myself and staff recommends also. If we don't have the, if we have no officials, then I would say, no, we can't do it yet. I am a big proponent, and I do plan on uh, proposing to our board. I do plan on that. You're the first to actually hear that. But I do plan on proposing that we do adopt boys volleyball. Uh, The timing of it will be dependent upon when that other organization wants to give it up, as well as when we're prepared with officiating and all of the things we need to do uh, to take it on. You mentioned it's a business and... uh... That's obviously important, but I'm glad to hear that you also, it seems like at the core, this thing is about getting kids playing sports, being active. And that's, that's what it's all about, really. So I'm glad to hear that outside the box, creative thinking, you know, when it comes to boys volleyball, when it comes to lacrosse, when you're getting kids active and getting them out there and playing, I think that's a win-win for everyone, even if you don't win the championship. You know, I had the, I had the luxury of, I sat as our, I sat on our board of directors. I used to tell my staff that if I'd have known when I was on the board of directors and I actually served as its president, had I known that at the time that I was going to get employed here, I would have voted in the most massive raises for them ever. Um, <laughs> they always remind me that's not too late, but I have the unique perspective that I sat on our board. I also was board president when we adopted bowling and that was very controversial at the time. There was, there were enough teams, but you know, people had this misconception of, you know, oh my gosh, beer and cigarettes. And, <laughs> yeah, for my 15-year-old daughter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, fortunately, Dr. Ross, but also myself as board president, no, we saw the non-traditional athlete that was going to be part of this system. And I am telling you what, I am thrilled. You see kids that typically don't play another sport are bowling for state championships. They have shirts on that match. Um, I, I just, I love the concept and the philosophical part of what what that has done for kids. 
Amazing, amazing stuff that you're doing there, Jerry. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's edition of the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. Hey, congratulations to you again on your the birth of your granddaughter and everything that you're doing with you know high school athletics in the state to make them more viable and maybe you know bring them back down here to Southwest Ohio as far as some state I championship got that. games. <laughs> Thanks, right. Jerry. Very good. We're Appreciate looking, it. We're looking forward to the soccer down there. You know the whole concept of what they're doing. So thank you guys very much for what you do too. All right. Thank you very much again. That was Jerry Snodgrass, the executive director of the OHSAA. Mike, you want to wrap up anything here? Wow, a lot, of, a lot of stuff to kind yeah. of digest there. And, yeah. uh, you know, eight, 818 member schools. I think a lot of people forget, too, that Jerry uh, is the executive director for all the junior high school members as well. So you're talking about, uh, I think it's like 1,100, 1,200 yeah. uh, schools altogether when you talk about high school and junior high school combined. And I've always, always found Jerry to be very insightful, very open um, to uh, questions that I have had, whether it be on the record or off the record. And so I think this was just kind of a snapshot of uh, Jerry's uh, his very, view on everything. Yeah, his very charismatic, uh, incredible personality. And you see him all the time on Twitter. But mm-hmm. uh, it's one of those jobs where it, it's thankless. I mean, it's it, I can't I imagine. Mean, you have so many different factions. You have, you know, regions. You have different. Um, you know, sports, you have different coaches, you have different personalities. I mean, all and you got to work with the board of directors too, by the way. I mean, it's a tempest. <laughs> it's a, it's a yeah. literal tempest that he has to try to navigate and, and no one's going to be happy for the most part. So right. to be able to kind of bring this thing together in a state as unique and as special as it is, I mean, it's a commendable job. A couple of things I, I took away there that we, we will probably have instant yeah. replay in the state football finals. That's amazing uh, to hear. We're going to probably figure out when the state girls basketball tournament uh, will be held. First uh, or second the, week of May, yeah, he said. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, boys volleyball is, as you heard exclusively here, uh, Jerry's going to recommend that to the board as well. So always lots of good stuff uh, from from uh, from Jerry Snodgrass, and I think a lot of people were pleased, obviously, that he was able to succeed uh, Dan Ross, who, who was in that position for 15 years. Jerry comes with an athletic director background, and I think uh, I'm talking to a lot of athletic directors around the, this area, including Jan Wilking from Wyoming, who sits mm-hmm. on the board of directors. I mean, they can appreciate that fact that... Uh, Jerry's been through the rigors. He knows, I mean, the, uh, the scheduling. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy it. what, what ADs have to go through. So, uh, again, we really, really appreciate that. Uh, as far as other news news items, I uh, got a feature about the Lakota East uh, boys volleyball team. Speaking of boys volleyball, hey, kind of a family connection there. Evan Coleman, who plays basketball at Evansville, uh, just completed his sophomore season. By the way, the head coach at Evansville, I didn't realize, is Walter McCarty. Oh, I did not know uh, that. So, uh, he's Former coaching Celtic. Evan. Yeah, yeah, UK, obviously. So I said, you probably don't even remember him playing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Too young to remember uh, those, those teams. But uh, but his uh, he's got twin brothers, actually, that uh, are seniors on the, the Lakota East team and uh, another brother, uh, the oldest. Of, of the four who's the JV coach so I got that up on WCPO.com and it's going to be on a on our TV uh, side of things uh, during the 7 o'clock uh, newscast tonight as well so uh, still waiting on news on the St. Xavier uh, basketball coaching search. Uh, still waiting on that, but you want to stay stay tuned to uh, all our coverage uh, on that whenever that is announced and uh, got plenty of other things. We're working on a lacrosse story for next week, possibly a baseball story and we're going to Start to get into some postseason spring your, sports. Your season in. just keeps getting longer and longer too. When you add all these new sports, I mean, it, it puts more on your plate as yeah, well. Yeah, it does. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, this time of year, and I think if you if you honestly talk to a lot of athletic directors, I mean, everybody is fatigued in some yeah. ways. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm looking forward to the summer and get a little bit of vacation time. But certainly, I mean, this is a stretch run. May is always busy. It goes fast. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing a little bit of traveling. Not as much as Jerry, but uh, yeah. certainly getting up to uh, – Columbus and my hometown of Akron. I'm just going to have a couple of state championships uh, this this spring. No disrespect to your hometown, but I will miss 
those the boys baseball you know playoffs and state ch- tournament Huntington Park's a great venue it's a great yeah, venue it really I mean is. I mean anytime anything is in Columbus it's centrally located as we've as we all know but just the facility itself was was great to, to see those kids be able to play in that facility but if we could have everything in Columbus I'd be a happy camper yeah. honestly I mean I think you most know, people would I be. think the tennis obviously we have the tennis here which yeah. is great uh, the volleyball the girls volleyball is at the Nutter Center so mm-hmm. you know we'll keep those kind of hometown yeah. uh, or you know at least regional uh, advantage there but uh, for the rest of I mean certainly I'd I wouldn't mind seeing, uh, oh, yeah. even though I'm from Northeast Ohio, I would definitely like to see football back in Columbus as well. All right. That's going to wrap up this week's edition. Sadly, we only have one left. One after more. This we week. have, uh, we have, a, we have another nice one though. Next week, uh, yeah. Princeton football coach, Mike Daniels coming in, uh, and, uh, happy to bring, uh, two of the area's biggest recruits for the 2020 cool. class in Darion Henry and Jaheem Thomas. So hoping maybe, uh, coach Daniels will allow them to, uh, narrow their list of college choices on our podcast and maybe give a little news Bring and insights. Yeah. They, it's been amazing the, the amount of offers they've had. And, uh, I mean, it's, it should be, uh, definitely a season to watch, uh, for the Vikings after, you know, having a, 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 a disappointing year. end to, I yeah. think last year. And I think Mike mentioned that to us in the GMC signing period, but, uh, uh I think it's, uh, definitely, um, two guys that you definitely want to watch because like I said, They've gotten offers from everybody. They're highly coveted. And I I think in this strong class, I mean, those two guys are certainly at one of our top of the list. By the way, I'm going to have a top 50 football players coming up here. uh, Who's number one? Uh, You know, we did it by alphabetical order. (laughs) I sold out on that, (laughs) Keenan. It was a cop out. But uh, yeah, two of those guys, uh, Darion and Jaheim will be listed for sure. And uh, one of your favorite players, Evan Prater, definitely on that list as well. So um, this weekend, are there any Boldens left to be on that list? Are there? Uh, well, there's there'll be an incoming freshman uh, <laughs> for Tom there at West, but uh, he did not make the list just as of yet. So. That's probably the first time in God knows how many. <laughs> Luke's years. had a nice impact. Saw some yeah. spring uh, highlights footage. there at Miami University. Yeah. It seems like he's. You know, he graduated early, not missing a beat there for the Red Hawks. And little and little Pace is committed to uh, UC. Deshaun Pace yeah. uh, committed to UC on Saturday. That's going to be interesting, brother weekend, versus brother. So, oh, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. All right, that's it for this week's edition of UWCPO High School Insider Podcast. Next week, we wrap up the season. Maybe we'll have a little recap of everything that went on this year. Of course, as Mike mentioned, we have Princeton's football program in. We'll talk to two of the bigger prospects in the country, not just the region, in the country uh, here on our podcast. All right, we'll catch up with you guys next week. For Mike, I'm Keenan. So long.